Hi, this is Chris Birch from Modiphius. You are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week's podcast is sponsored by Jolly Bodger's Piratical Outfitters, who offer a wide range of parrots, wooden legs, cutlasses, eye patches, tricorns, and beard beads. Whether you're a buccaneer, privateer, or tyrannical scourge of the seas, Jolly Bodger has you covered. It seems to me that the young people have started dressing as pirates recently. They seem to consider it fashionable to wear eye patches and ridiculous hats. What's wrong with a simple robe with gold lace filigree and a vaulted collar? That's what I want to know. All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ has ever it is a complete delight to be here. And our guest this week, oh, very special guest. guest, oh yes, very special. traveler in time and space. <laughs> to be fair, we're all technically we're all technically travelers in time and space. Just well, every time I around. go to the kitchen, I travel in time and space. But our guest this week is uh, Dave Chapman, who uh, is the current uh, lead writer on the Doctor Who RPG. But more importantly, and what he is best known for, is of course being the author of two awfully cheerful engine adventures. The culmination, of course, of his career, the highlight of his career. Two awfully cheerful (laughs) adventures. How can any one person be of such immense magnitude or talent? I know. I know. I I am quite literally blown away here. Oh, I blush. (laughs) (laughs) So, hello, Dave. How are you? Hi there. It's great to be here. (laughs) So, um, a little bit later, we will talk about the Awfully Cheerful Engine adventures Dave has written. We might even talk a little bit about Doctor Who in as much as he's allowed to, which apparently isn't all that much, but we'll see what we can get. And... Like, there appears to be a Dalek standing behind Dave, so I'm... An actual Dalek, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a bit confused about this. If it speaks... It is well, it's got like a little blue BBC logo on. I'm, I'm confused about its purpose there. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, let's, do some, uh, let's do some RPG news, shall we? <laughs> yes, we should. So, did you hear about the new Drow? Uh, yes, there's two different kinds. Yeah, so basically, Drow have been split into three different types of Drow. So, two new types of Drow. Did we not do this last week? Uh, we didn't do this specifically, no. In which case, crack on. We did mention uh, Drow quite a lot last week. We yes, didn't mention we did this specifically. Right. So they're splitting. Names. Fantastic. Yeah. I let, so they're splitting Wizard of the Coast by Valley. Yes. I mean, Wizard of the Coast. Yes. They, they, they who do the D&D stuff. Yes. Are splitting Drow into three types. So the right. first type yes. is the one that you already know. Yes. And these are the Uda Drow. And these are the Uda ones for uh, okay. the spider worshipping ones in Menzo Branson, or however you pronounce that place. Not Uber Drow. Uber Drow. Uber Uber Drow. Uber Drow. Well, they won't be featuring on the cover of any Ramstein albums anytime soon, will they? (laughs) Probably not. Oh, don't they have Numblout? That would be Ace as well. It would be good if they did, but they (laughs) don't. I mean, maybe maybe they do, and just the font that this article was written in doesn't have umlauts. I don't know. Maybe they do. That that would be a sad sad, sad thing to miss out. Uber Drow. (laughs) There should be an umlaut after over every single letter. (laughs) Seven umlauts. 
I, I think your musical taste is showing us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the Uda Drow uh, yes. are the Drow that you already know about. Yes. Uh, and Menzo Branzan is kind of now called the stronghold of the Cult of Loth. Which is longer, but is much easier to pronounce. Mm, yeah. 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 So, Loth. Yeah. So there are other Drow, and they don't worship Loth or spiders. Like so, so, we, yeah. so we have the Avon Drow, who are the Starlight Elves. Oh, and they... calling. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. British humor, don't mind me. <laughs> uh, so they're basically ice drow. They live in sort right. of a city made of ice far up in the north. Oh, they sound pretty cool. Just sound pretty cool. Hmm. And they're kind of untainted by the influence of Loth. Oh, okay. So a lot more chilled out is what we're saying. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, we have the uh, Lauren drow, the green Lauren shadow drow. elves who live in the jungle. Right. I see. And that's far to the south. Again, so. again, nothing to do with Loth or the spiders. See, it's a bit and of a disappointment. Again, much more sensible. Uh-huh. The, the, the first couple sounded like there was something to tie in with, like um, the black metal music and stuff like that. So you got your, <laughs> your, your, your Norwegian black metal, yeah. and, and you had, and you, had mm-hmm. your, and you could write the typefaces and look like a bit like Bracken. And then, yeah, of course, yeah. you 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 get you ruin it with the with the jungle elves. And it's just so your Lauren Drow. I, I suppose the Lauren, the jungle drow, maybe they've got a mix between sort of a uh, very exciting mid nineties musical phenomena and potentially. Like, uh, sorry, this is an entirely British episode. Or how hard your people outside of the UK will understand the sense you hear here. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and uh, possibly also like Celtic rock, so you can use that sort of fault. Oh, yes. I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you know the font being used is the important thing. <laughs> oh, absolutely! It's like it's how I tell all my species of drow apart. Like, yeah, yeah. The font yeah. they use. <laughs> so this is so this is basically like you know the, all the evil races uh, now have been given an extra dimension now. So you don't have any moni- monocultural evil races in D anD D anymore. So the <laughs> no. orcs aren't anymore, and right. drow aren't anymore. So there's, 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 there's no evil races. races. Heritages or species lineage or is lineage. the word they're going with. I believe lineage, right? Yes. I mean, they still use race, right? So they seem to be using race and lineage interchangeably at the moment, mm. depending depending where you look. So right, right. I, don't, I don't know if they've actually decided, but lineage seems to be the one that's coming into fashion now. Right, right. So they're adding an extra dimension, so they can be whole two dimensional baddies. Like two dimensional. <laughs> 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 yeah, one day, one day we'll have three D bad guys, but you know, not some way off. Yes, but but will will fifth will the fifth edition be able to support that level of complexity? We just don't know. No, Is I it advanced stuff? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So anyway, yeah, I was, you know, that's pretty good. I mean, I'm not sure when you when you take drow and then you say you've got oh. jungle drow and then you've got ice drow. I'm not sure really how that's different to just saying you've got jungle elves and ice elves. Indeed. What makes them drow at that point? They're yeah. just all different varieties of elf at that point, aren't they? Yeah. What, what's their distinctive culture that makes them yeah. who they are? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's, that's the drow news anyway. We kind of missed that out last week. I think it did uh, sort of slip out as part of a sort of footnote somewhere, but we kind of missed it. So right, I thought I'd sort of jump in there. Goodness, that probably takes us to about 15 different types of prefix elf, which is, yeah, not bad going. Probably. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Okay. I saw this uh, article on Wizards of the Coast website. It's about Van Richten's Guide 
to Ravenloft <laughs> wallpaper. It's uh, yeah. What sort of wallpaper do they have in Ravenloft? Well, you know, I mean, I'm not <laughs> sure why why Ravenloft wallpaper needed a guide, <laughs> but Van Victoren has indeed written a guide to Ravenloft wallpaper. Um, Mm-mm. Well, I mean, so, there's like lots of different wallpapers through the ages. Like uh, famously, I think it was <laughs> Napoleon died from having I think was it arsenic in the wallpaper. Well, there's no actual details on this epic epic book. I can't wait for it. This Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft wallpaper, but it's uh, it's not it's, it's not out yet. Should I stop okay. this silly joke? So, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're telling me they haven't released a supplement entirely dedicated <laughs> so, to interior design. What they have done that. is release some Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Wallpaper. Ah, see. Computer screen. Do you see what Is I did there? Do you see the joke I did? Oh, it was good, wasn't it? Did you like that? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, fruit roll, I guess. That's right. Oh, I'm so funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I would like, like normally. Is it pretty, Russ? Is it pretty? Oh, yeah, it's just the cover of the book, the full spread. Oh, I wouldn't normally even nice. mention like them releasing wallpapers on their website. Except for that awesome joke that, uh, that I had lined up. <laughs> He's saving up a week. Otherwise, I've skipped over that. <laughs> well, I mean, really, we should have like announced it last week and maybe the trailer this week. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, we should have previewed that joke. <laughs> oh, there we go. Trick missed. I mean, we're clearly not in the same sort of marketing league. Anyway, <laughs> anyway you guys, you guys know who Tony uh, Dieter, Dieter Lisi is. Yes. <laughs> I, know, I might recognise the name if I saw it written down. <laughs> I, 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 I think I've said it right. Um, so he's uh, the artist for Plain, uh, Planescape back in the 90s. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, and he has shared a Spotify playlist, which is all the music he used to listen to back right. in the 90s when doing art for Planescape in order to get him in the zone. Right. So oh. it's this it's this list of fourteen tracks, uh-huh. and they include The Cure, Crowded House, Vangelis, Enigma, REM, Deck and Dance, U2, Seal, Lenny Kravitz, Eric Clapton, The Commitments, Neil Sean, Roy and the Secret People, and Clad. Oh, okay, I can Ooh. see that working. Yeah, yeah. No, no Dream Theater though. I would have gone with that. Nothing, no. I mean, I, I'm sure he listened to more music than just that, but that's the same A playlist that he shared. <laughs> but anyway, so sort of a bunch of people online are just sort of saying, this is great. Basically, if I ever play Ravenloft now, I'm just going to put this playlist on in the back. No, not Ravenloft, Planescape. Okay. I'm just going to stick this playlist in, in the back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, might want to add some things to yourself from the succeeding, the succeeding what, 20 years? Um, no. Uh, music in the last 20 years who listens to that nobody nobody <laughs> I'm sure no piece of music in the last 20 years has ever been popular well, this is an official tabletop RPG talk we're listening on the pulse of popular culture <laughs> <laughs> this particular piece of news isn't RPG news but it is D&D news Monopoly Dungeons and Dragons oh god you can now order it Okay. You so wish. <laughs> you, have, you, you, ca- you captured my feelings in the matter quite succinctly there. <laughs> I mean, um, um, no, that, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. I mean, uh, another version of everybody's favourite game. 
<laughs> so you got you got the instead of the hat and the the, the car and the, the the whatever the other ones are. I can't have not been so long. The whatever the other ones dog, are, the racing car. Yeah, yeah. So instead of those, they've got a halfling rogue, a human fighter, a human wizard, a dwarven cleric, uh, elven ranger, and a tiefling bard. So they're, they're the uh, they're the little figures. Mm-hmm. And then the hotels and houses are called expeditions and bases. And the chance cards are encounters, and community chest is treasures. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's see okay. what they're doing. So at least they're not doing the streets of Neverwinter or something. So I'm looking. I'm just looking at some pictures. I've only got like four pictures here. So I've got a picture of a treasure card. Treasure, mm-hmm. persuade the guard to let you go, get out of jail free. So the get out of jail free card is basically a treasure card, persuade the guard to let you go. So it's just, they're the same, same thing. It's just reskinned. Okay. On the, um, some properties are creatures, aren't they? That's a bit weird. Are they? Yeah. Was, oh, like oh yeah. So I see. Yeah. So we've got a uh, gelatinous cube. Vampire. Uh, oh, but also we've got a tomb of annihilation here as well. Oh, as a property as well. Is that an expensive one? <laughs> <laughs> and free parking because everybody needs to park in D and D. Yes, especially outside the if tomb. Has the tomb of my annihilation got parking adequate off road parking outside it? But it's actually got a fairly large desert outside, as far as I'm aware. So yeah, you can probably buy, leave your cart somewhere. Although Astrax probably got to deal where some traffic wardens will come and clamp your cart if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst thing about the Tomb of Annihilation. I got to tell you. I, I mean, it's got some competition from like the instant death. But yeah, the uh, cart, your cart, the cart clamp clamped afterwards. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> hey. That a Slaster Crown of the Magister video game Ooh, yes. launches today. Finally, yes. it actually launches today because you've been playing the Peter, I think. Peter, yes, you? yes, the Peter. You've been playing the Peter. The, the, the Peter, early Peter, Peter, Peter. Peter has playing been playing the Peter. Yes, it's true. Yes, yes. Your name rhymes with Peter, and I'm going to make as much of that as I possibly can. <laughs> Okay. Then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not asleep already. Oh, well, okay. Okay. Well, that was, that was quick. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, I think we did have a character called Rita in there, but that was an intentional. <laughs> I thought I bring it up for the purposes. But character. it wasn't a beta version of your character. It was, in fact, the Peter wasn't playing a beta Rita. I wasn't playing a beta Rita. No. Okay. No. Okay. I mean, Rita did beat her quite a lot of monsters, but yeah. Should we leave this joke behind? Shall we? It's, 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 it's a silly joke. <laughs> I feel we're uh, beating a dead horse at this point. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's nice to get the recognition. Out of the <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, Sinister, anyway, Crown of the uh, Magister, yes, as it's pronounced, the Magister. I, I, I have enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed the fact that they used the OGL rather than like an official thing. Mm-hmm. So they've got all sorts of interesting new subclasses and so forth and spells and so forth you can mess around with. And so it's a lot more like faithful to D and D fifth edition than Baldur's Gate three is, isn't it? All spells. The uh the last time I played Baldur's Gate three and the last time I played Celasta, Celasta was a lot more in line with what I'd expect from D and D. I will I will warn you right now if you think about playing it. You can only play four characters. It's not multiplayer, which means sometimes it is really hard. So, yeah. Yeah, and it, goes, it doesn't go up to level 20, does it? Because it's level 10, no. I think. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I haven't been that far. I got up to level 5 on okay. my first proper playthrough, and I've been leaving it for a bit. I was going to actually go back 
But now it's properly finished. I am super excited about that. Yeah, I'm going to grab it now. I was, I wasn't, um, I wasn't playing the beta, but I wasn't playing the beta, Peter. But, <laughs> but I will, I will play the final version. You see, at this point, we're just missing the bong. <laughs> Possibly even the cricket noises. I don't know. <laughs> You love it and you know it. Oh, edit those in in post. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. okay. That's exciting news. That's pretty good news, yeah. 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 Right. So, mm-hmm. Green Ronin have announced for the Mutants and Masterminds role-playing game, which is probably the biggest superhero game out there, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. um, have announced the summer of Starhaven. Oh, so Starhaven is an alien um, refugee city mm-hmm. and it originally was published in the 2015 Cosmic Handbook. And so this okay. event is going to flesh out that city setting and give um, mutants and masterminds fans the ability to influence its direction by like voting on the, the city government and which regions get explored and help design the villains for the city. So basically, yeah, it has, it's had not very much information released about it, you know, over mm. the years. So it's almost yeah. a blank canvas, I get the impression. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That sounds quite good fun. I I, uh, I don't know. Last time I heard about it, it did have quite a complicated system. Something to do with... Mutant well, it's... Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's... It uses the OGL, and it came out... The first edition came out um, shortly after D&D 3rd edition, and it mm-hmm. used the... Uh, 3.3 rule set, but they kind of, they had to make quite a few changes to make it work for superheroes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like yeah. a straight, a straight user. So it, it is, it is sort of have a, does have a sort of 3E kind of lineage to it. Ooh. So yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's moderately crunchy, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm not a crunchy well, person. <laughs> well, there are not more crunchy, crunchy, there are more crunchy, uh, superheroes that are like the hero system. Mm-hmm. Super crunchy. Oh god, yeah. Yes. And it's, like, it's like five times as crunchy as uh, Mutants and Mastermind. Uh, oh, uh, I've got a little bit of news that has been pointed out to me by one of our fantastic listeners, Lee Donovan, uh, has brought to my attention Exalted Essence, mm-hmm. a tabletop role playing game, which is um, coming from Richard Thomas of Onyx Path. And essentially, it's a way to play, it sort of is sort of a condensation of the third edition of Exalted. So you can, since we were speaking of superheroes and so forth, you can play these mm. manga-inspired superheroes, but with a, uh, I think they're trying for a simplified system, mm. but still back compatible. I'm not quite sure I understand how they're planning to do it, but yeah, I'm supportive. It's, it sounds like it could be good. Okay. Is that on Kickstarter, did you say? That is on Kickstarter. It went out, uh, three days ago, as mm. of the 28th. And they have a hundred and, uh, I'll give you $176,000 versus a $35,000 goal. So yeah. Richard Thomas, so yeah. all the Onyx Path Kickstarters are under Richard Thomas's account. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I did that chart of the biggest Kickstarter, most successful Kickstarter creators. Like, yeah. like, like, by total, as opposed to single projects. And like, yeah, Free I mean, League was at the top with $7.8 million yeah. in total raised. But Richard Thomas is just behind him with 7.2. Nice. So, and he, uh, well, I say he, but they, so on, on yeah. its path, released a lot of them. They've released 45 Kickstarters so far. So this mm. will probably be number 46. Mm. So I, I'm pretty sure the, 
the, he'll get back into the top spot probably this year. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine. Got that right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, free, free league have got a couple of big, really big ones, which, mm. which they've got, uh, the, um, two million one ring one, which is yeah. leapfrog them into the lead. But I yeah. think, uh, I think Richard Thomas will, uh, will overtake them again. Uh, this year, though, has been absolutely bananas for Kickstarters. Like, oh, I made a graph. Did you see my graph? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. made a graph of the one million dollar Kickstarters yeah. ever since, uh, Kickstarter launched. So let me, let me dig up this graph. So, Kickstarter launch, yeah, uh, million dollar tabletop RPG Kickstarters. So, Kickstarter, so Kickstarter launched in 2009. Mm-hmm. And it's now 2021. So that's 12 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so until the start of 2021, in those 12 years, there were four tabletop role playing game projects that beat the $1 million mark. Four. Yeah. Which is still a lot of money. As yeah. Like- very impressive. Since March yes. this year, yes. in the two months since March this year, <laughs> there have been five. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so this graph, it goes, it goes, it goes sort of like steady up, 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 and then it just goes, it just shoots <laughs> off into the stratosphere. It just like turns into one of those exponential curves. Arnie. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. It's like, they're happening just like every month now. So like, with the awfully cheerful and stuff, no pressure, but, yeah, that, that doesn't have to be a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, that looks like it's going to be around about 40,000, but not a million. Nice. nice. Still good. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I think part of that is backer kit. Yes. The, and the massive, massive ad campaigns that are being run at the moment. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know how profitable these are, but um, part of it is that. Uh, yeah. But part of it, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe it's um, the checks that the Americans are getting. Maybe it's, um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's exciting, though. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, people just want to back RPG Kickstarters, and yeah. we're here for it. Yeah, yeah. It's not a, certainly not a bad thing. <laughs> yes. I think we might be at the end of the news. It's been one of those quiet news weeks. Uh, Skimming through, right. let's just have a quick look. Anything more? There's nothing more. There's nothing else there. That's it. That's all the news. Oh, Paizo have announced a new online convention mm-hmm. specifically for fans not in the Western Hemisphere, PaizoCon Online Europe 2021. Oh. So this is all um, uh, British summertime, starting yep. at 8 a.m. going through to 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. British Fine. summertime each day. And this is happening April no, August the 19th to the 22nd. That is happening in August, so it's basically Excellent. for Europe, uh, Europe yes. time zones, and it's hey. going to be an online convention. Okay. And now so European have... time zone is more convenient, then you can <laughs> also play that. Yeah. yeah. Now we have finished the news. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. It's time we played our favourite game in all the world. The game where I read out the name of the Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, I can tell Dave, you're looking forward with, to that. What, what's with that face, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> so. It's a lot uh, more fun than it sounds. Yes. So, who would like to go first? Well, shall I go first? Yeah, go for it. Go for okay. It. So, Peter. Yes. What is once more into the void? It sounds expensive because I'm probably going to back it. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <for them. I> mean, 
well, obviously, it's making sort of an allusion to once more into the breach, dear friends. So uh, that's got that Shakespearean thing going on. I quite like that. Uh, I think this is probably a sci-fi system. Um, I don't think it's D&D. I think it's independent. And I think it's... Um, what's more? Uh, I feel it's a game about facing impossible odds, um, and terrible disasters. And this is like, this is you going and sorting them out. So this is quite interesting, actually. So mm. it's like the prologue to you sorting out terrible mm. disasters and impossible odds. So what it is, okay. is, um, something has to be done. Like yes. there's some existential threat to the galaxy. Okay. And you were once the, the sort of heroes of the galaxy, mm-hmm. but you've all fallen out. Oh, okay. <laughs> the group has splintered. Yeah. And the game is actually about getting the band back having together. to reunite that crew so that they can go and solve this existential threat. Mm. Oh, okay. That's, very, that's quite clever. Quite <laughs> interesting. So the text yeah. it sort of says, uh, we were once the heroes of the galaxy. We stood against mm-hmm. the tide of darkness and prevailed again and again. But Ooh. our family fell apart. Our shared past is full of shame, trespasses, Ooh. and secrets. We parted ways, Ooh. vowing never to see each other again. And now our greatest enemy has returned. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. It's sort of got shades of the Umbrella Academy, although not quite. But yeah, no. I'm, I'm but it says it's inspired by Star Trek Card and the video game Mass Effect 2. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, I, cool. I haven't actually got around to the Mass Effect 2. I haven't either, no. No. Well, yeah. anyway, so I reckon you got that about half right there, Peter. So I'll give Ooh. you, I'll give you five points out of ten. Uh, traditional, and actually, a, a nice sensible, a nice sensible score. Okay, uh, Dave, are you ready? Okay, friends. Okay, what is good guys finish last? Uh, now this is a reprint me. of something. So if you do know what it is, say say, and we'll move no, on to something no, else. Not at all. Um, it sounds like it's very 70s or 80s um, pulp action movie Chuck Norris style thing. So I'm going to say it's a retro, probably powered by the apocalypse because that seems to be quite trendy. And uh, yeah, sort of um, kicking ass, taking names, that sort of thing. Hmm. So uh, what this is, it's a re-release or a superhero role-playing game, oh, okay. a, uh, we, which it uses its own sort of storytelling style system. Oh, oh complete fail then. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I did no good at all. <laughs> um, it's a 15-day quick starter, so it mm-hmm. ends in five days. Oh, blimey. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you have to get in there quickly. And oh. it's the first licensed game from Post-World Games. Ooh. Um, a bell. So this is back in 1991. It originally came out. That was was in the void when I wasn't playing RPGs. There was a (laughs) void when you weren't playing RPGs. Yeah. So 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 it's a 30 year old game. Okay. (laughs) But reprinted. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm not familiar with the original game, but it says here there there isn't a list of powers to choose from. So you use a 2d8 dice system with a power grid which matches two traits together to form the core value of a character's power. Oh, I'm not 100% nice. sure how that works, but sounds interesting. It's nice to see the D8 getting some love as well. Never, don't, don't get many D8 games. That's no, true. Yeah. 
Um, so, um, Dave, points-wise, I'll, I'll give you a point for that because you did kind of get that it was a retro thing. Okay, thank you. So you did, you did, <laughs> you did, you did, you did zero in on one aspect of that. So, um, yeah, so one point. So, Peter, you're Ooh, in five point. points to one at the moment. Oh, well, everything to play for. Okay, so the next one. <laughs> no, no, seriously, there's everything to play for. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're going to get like a million, point, um, a million points or minus a million points in the next one. So, I'm right. Okay, anyway. Peter, are you ready? I was already. Hit me. Somninauts. I see, that's mm. one I know. Ah, well, <laughs> my, I don't know this one, but I'm going to take a bet that it's something about people who voyage in dreams. Um, so, not a lot more else I can get from it. Um, just like, you know, somnus being people who travel in sleep uh, and noughts, like, you know, like astronauts and stuff. Um, what else can we say about this? So this is likely going to be... Uh, what genre? What genre? It's either going to be science fiction or fantasy. I, I'm, I'm going to take a punt on fantasy, because I quite like that. And how people are travelling through sort of a dreamscape. Uh, in sort of like a uh, the Gaiman-esque Sandman style of dreaming. Where you're like travelling from place to place on some sort of MacGuffin-like ship. And um, it will have sort of a episodic feel that you can have um, just as you're coming from place to place and uh, it will be quite a, I'm hoping for quite a heavily narrative system, like really leaning into the storytelling aspects where the rules aren't always going to be the same and you can't quite trust your senses and perceptions yeah, uh, so not by the original system Okay, so you're about halfway there, so you are right, it's the rules like <laughs> System. Uh, you're right that it is about people um, sort of travelling through dreams, which I think uh, is, was quite easy. That actually. So what what you didn't get, and it isn't really in the name, is you're solving mysteries by using weird science to dive into dreams. So you find clues in the real world, then you yes. use those clues and travel into sort of these surreal dreams to solve the mm. mysteries. Okay, so it's sort of in Inception meets Scooby-Doo. Uh, yeah, good one. I like I like that. I like that analogy. I'm going to give you an extra point for the excellent analogy. So I was going to give you five points. So I'm going to give you six points for that excellent analogy. So you're now on 11 points. Yeah. To Dave's one point. Dave, you need to score 10 points. Oh, see, if I'd got that last one, I'd, I'd have been fine because I, I was researching that one because it was very similar to the Kickstarter I did last year. <laughs> actually, ah, but, you'd have, you'd have, but if you knew what it was, you'd have to say that you knew what actually, it was. Oh. There's, there's actually yeah. three more with cool names, so I think we'll do three okay. each rather than two. So oh, yeah, it's still all okay. to play for. It's still all to play for. Absolutely. So, uh, Dave, this one for you is Carovia Victor. Oh, <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, blimey. Um, I am going okay. to say um, 5E, and it's um, Mythic Battles or something like that. I have no idea with that at all. Well, you're not far <laughs> off. <laughs> um, all, you need, all you needed to guess was the uh, time period. So it is 5E. It is Mythic stuff. Um, it's um, sort of fantasy Rome. Ah, so the core world ah. is like the Roman Empire, and then the surrounding yeah. states are sort of more like traditional fantasy states, like an orc empire and a dragon empire ah. and stuff. Oh, sounds cool. Yeah. Ooh. And it is for, yeah, it's for D&D for tradition, as you said. So, yeah, I'll give you five points for that. Woo! Which gives you six. Six That's points. Right. 
can still do it. You can still do it. Peter, are you ready for your next one? Hell yeah, hit me. Okay. Skyjacks, Courier's Call. Like, if this was the 1980s and little me saw this on the um, VHS video shelf, I, I'd be leaping at it even as we speak <laughs> on the grounds that anything with these this combination of syllables uh, in that order must be exciting. So what's it? Skyjacks, Courier... Skyjacks. Yes. Colon. Colon. The yeah. punctuation is always important. <laughs> Very important. Courier's Call. Courier's Call. So let's take a shot at there's like a, I guess it sort of feels like a bit like a diesel punk sort of world where you have flying robots, which would be your skyjacks. And this is a supplementary adventure, which is focusing on, um, well, like uh, there's a message and this message is super important. Um, hmm. Uh, it sounds like, so it's definitely an original setting. What I will tell you, uh, looking at it, um, I just, I just kind of realized as I read through it, it's not actually for an RPG product, it's for a podcast, RPG podcast. So it's still RPG related, but I'll give you that much. It's for an RPG podcast. Right. Okay. So, curious cool. So I guess it must be the, setting book for the world that this RPG podcast is set in. I know, it's for the podcast um, itself. It's not It's not for book. Alright. <laughs> Sorry. It's so a, it is a Kickstarter for a podcast. I'll give you that much. It's a Kickstarter for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Skyjack's colon Courier's Call. It's not a book. Um, oh, like, I don't know what this is, i got to say, but I'm I'm super intrigued. Ah. Uh, you know what? Um, I've, I've got nothing, basically. Okay. Oh, tell me, why is it? Yeah. All right. So zero points the there. Zero points. <laughs> so um, this this podcast um, is a sort of anime fantasy, mm-hmm. actual play podcast, right. which has the young crew of an airship delivering the mail. Is what that is. And it's the like- uh, the Kickstarter is for season two of the actual play podcast. Death Stranding all over again. Oh, oh yeah. And this is, this is obviously super different from a diesel punk thing about a message being carried through the sky. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's diesel punk. <laughs> Zeppelins aren't diesel punk. Okay. No, that's, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> right. Last one. So remember, listeners, if you'd like to write in and complain, it's morris.podcast at gmail.com. And <laughs> contend us, what is Diesel Punk? <laughs> so the last one is for Dave, and this is called They Stirred. Oh, that sounds cool. That sounds like um, John Carpenter-esque mm. um, 80s horror uh, own system. It, fairly indie uh, and possibly eldritch horror type things being summoned into our reality. Okay, so almost it's zombies oh. though, rather than eldritch uh, horror. But but uh, pretty much no. you're pretty much right apart apart from that. Yeah. Um it's kind of um more like the Walking Dead actually. Zombies have taken over the world and yeah. your challenge isn't them as much as a lack of resources and competing groups of humans. So it's a zombie RPG, but it seems like it's more in the light along the Walking Dead kind of line where the zombies are the background and the the actual thing is about the people. It's always the other humans that get in the way. Yeah. I'm no humans. So yeah. I'll give you five points for that. So how many points? Ooh. That gives you a total of 
11. I and think Peter, I'm... you're on 11. Oh, we need a tie break. We need a tie break. Oh, we need a tie break. So, the tie okay. breaks work like this. Instead of trying to guess what it is, you have to give me the best answer of what it is not. Okay. <laughs> um, you'll both get the same one, and then I, I decide which one of the uh, which one of your answers I like the best. So this one is called the Dightman Files. D E I T M A N Files. So trying to go first, Peter. What is that not? Uh, how do you spell Dightman again? D E I T M A N. D I E or D D E I T M A N. Okay. Uh, Not well, that that really makes any difference. It's just the name. <laughs> well, I can I can tell you what it definitely isn't. It's not a very rare misprint of the Darkman Files, which is a game all about a fictional detective who is a wizard called uh, Harry Dietman, who is spending a lot of time going to Weight Watchers and then using the skills that they picked up there, like counting and calories and so forth, to then go on and solve crimes. Uh, it's definitely not that. So it's not the Diet Man files. Okay, fine. It's not the Diet Man. It's not the Diet Man files. And. <laughs> God. <laughs> I hate you when you do it. <laughs> uh, Dave, can you beat that? What is uh, the Diet Man files? What is it not? I, sorry. I, I, I reckon it's a superhero RPG um, using. Fourth edition, <laughs> um, oh, but sorry. it's all, all about um, a, a guy who um, punches people and shouts "Dite man!" every time he punches them. Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> I don't know. I think I think Peter edged it just about. I like Diet yeah. Man. Just yeah. about. Just about. A misprint of Diet Man. So, Peter, uh, you get that extra tie-breaking point, which makes you the winner of this week's favourite game in all the world. Congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, and very well played, though. Like, that, was, <laughs> that, was, that was a very long and very hard-fought game. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. so, what is Diet, diet Oh, yeah. Man? Should I tell you what it actually yeah. is? That's probably... Yeah, what is, what is it? It's always <laughs> yeah, the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> So well, I think we should do them a favour since we use their game. <laughs> so it's powered by the apocalypse. Powered, powered. It's powered, powered. by powered by the apocalypse. Powered. <laughs> 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 the system is powered by the apocalypse. And yes. Okay. <laughs> you play paranormal investigators solving yeah. mysteries. So there's eight classes of psychics and eight classes of investigators to deal with the paranormal. Okay. And oh, it focuses so more nice on the mystery story. than the sort of fighting. Okay, does it say what influences it has? Uh, I can look it up. I think from that, it sounds very like X-Files to me. Let's have a look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. X-Files, Night, Night Stalkers. Uh, I do okay. not think that it refers to influences. Sorry. Okay. I, I might have to hand back. If it does, it's way yeah. down near the bottom of the page. And I can't, I can't yeah. scroll any further. I've used too many calories scrolling now. My finger's tired. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But what I can okay. tell you are the eight yeah. classes of psychics and the nine classes of investigators, if you want me to read 17 words to you, which sounds like really, really fascinating. <laughs> I'll read some of them, so but not all of them. So the psychics, okay. clairvoyance, telepaths, telekinetics, exorcists, stuff like that. And the investigators, you get researchers, skeptics, engineers, hunters, occultists, and others. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. 
Okay then, we're done with our favourite game in all the world. Welcome to the Temple of Healing. We're grateful you are covering this sacred place in your weekly town cry, Lord Cryer. Mr. Cryer is fine, young priest, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to showcase to my listeners the hard work all that clerics and acolytes do for our community. Now then, what is this ward? This is the Bear Owl Slash Ward. We get about half a dozen victims of Bear Owl accidents a week. They're usually quite serious, I'm afraid. Yes, yes, it is a sad business, but I'm sure you do your best for them. We offer them the best care that magic and superstition has to offer, Mr. Cryer. Jolly good, jolly good. Now then, what do we have here? Ah, the patients in this ward all suffer from zombie rot. As you can see, we need to keep them isolated. It's a terrible, contagious curse, you see. Yes, yes, very sensible, very sensible. And now, down the corridor we have the disintegration ward. By a throne. It's empty. Well, yes. All the patients there are unfortunate victims of disintegration at the hands of malevolent wizards and devious traps. I see, I see. And in here, it looks like a room full of statues. The petrification ward. These unfortunates who have encountered a roving Medusa or wandering cockatrice. Still, at least we don't have to feed them. I must say you treat quite a range of afflictions here at the temple. It's quite surprising the number of grisly accidents which befall adventurers. They have quite the tendency to fall into lava or get bitten by venomous monsters. And that's not to mention those electrocuted by magical lightning or frozen by icy dragon breath. Hmm. It must be really quite difficult keeping up all the different types of injury and malady. I suppose you have specialists in these uh, different types of healing? Well, no. Not really. Oh, what, what then is your process here? Well, we usually just pray for them and sometimes they get better. Makes sense, makes sense. This is great stuff. My listeners are going to be fascinated. I can see my ratings going up by at least a dozen. Well, you haven't seen the worst yet. What I'm about to show you may shock you to your core. <laughs> I'm not easily shocked, my friend. Lead on! Since the new Ravenloft book came out, We've had an influx of patients who have suffered fates far worse than death. Worse than death? Oh my. Before you look into this ward, I need you to sign this waiver. Right, fine. Show me the horrors, young acolyte. Very well. And remember, you were warned. <laughs> By the light of the morning world, protect me from this evil. Do you need to sit down? Should I chant a quick prayer for you? No, no, it's fine. I just wasn't fully prepared. I never imagined something so so profane, so so gruesome. Yes, it's true. We've had to pray night and day for these poor wretches. The, the, I can, I can barely bring myself to say the words aloud, but I must. For my listeners, I must still myself. My thoughts are with you, my friend. They're, they're listening. To Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. May the morning lords have mercy on their souls. This podcast, Malarkey, is quite good fun. True. We do get to talk to interesting people. They are very interesting, and we've had all sorts. Big names, old and new. But 
How do we know who to talk to? Well, sometimes our patrons give us suggestions. What? So we try and get the people they want us to talk to on? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, and obviously they get the fullest version of the podcast. The fullest? They do? Yeah, yeah, you know, all the funny stories and random jokes and digressions. Really? People are missing out on those? Well, they're not news, are they? Oh, come on, but that's all my favourite bits. How can you avoid missing out? Ah, uh, well, that's easy. Uh, so just become a perfectly proper podcast patron. Perfectly proper podcast patron? What? How? Well, you head along to patreon.com slash morris and subscribe there. Oh, well, how much does that cost? $50 a month? You'd think. I mean, it's certainly worth $50 a month, but oh. uh, just a dollar. Is it? Mate, that's like 25 cents an episode. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Ah, patreon.com.morris. M-O-R-R-U-S. M-O-R-R-U-S. Cheers. I'll check that out. So, let's let's move on to talking about the awfully cheerful engine with the occasional smattering of Doctor Who, shall we? <laughs> Which we start with first. I don't mind. I really don't mind. <laughs> well, let's start with the awfully cheerful engine and see how the time goes. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Sue, awfully cheerful. So, Dave, you have written two, not one, not three, but two. <laughs> adventures for the awfully cheerful edges so should we just like talk about each of those two because there's four in total that have been written two by mark langworthy and two by you yeah so you're responsible for about 50 percent of the uh awfully cheerful engine at the moment of the basic yeah yeah there's uh there's a couple of stretch goals been just or just awfully cheerful engine news two stretch goals have been um have been reached so the first one was orcs and oubliettes which means there's basically going to be a D and D parody issue. <laughs> oh, are we saving bar- barrows and barrels to be like the fictional system? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. This, that's orcs and oubliettes, and um, bite me has also been unlocked, which is Transylvania. It's werewolves, it's Lovely. ghosts, it's zombies, and it's a certain Mister Dracula who lives in a big castle yeah. up on a hill. Right. And the next uh, stretch goal, which has been announced, uh-huh. is Domes of Thunder, oh. which is basically your average post-apocalyptic mayhem. Oh, yes, yes. I Two mean, men until one man leaves. That sort of thing. It's okay. I bought my sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But those aren't the adventures which Dave wrote. Dave wrote Spirits of Manhattan and Strange Science. So let's talk about them. So Spirits of Manhattan, Dave, what is Spirits of Manhattan? Without saying uh, the, the word you're not allowed to say. Uh, without oh, okay. saying the word that I, I, I'm not allowed to say, um, it's... Oh, um, do unlicensed nuclear generators enter the game at any point? They do. Sort of, yes. Oh. Um, it's it's <laughs> um, it, it's based on um, a 80s comedy science fiction paranormal film that doesn't exist. Um yeah. Uh, where which, um, which some, has been rebooted and has another reboot in the mix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there there are so many. Uh, th- that that was one of the, one of the fun things about writing this one was 
taking it as if there's a film that existed with its own set of sequels and Mm -hmm. reboots and things like that and creating ridiculous plots for those as well but yeah basically it's a bunch Mm -hmm. of scientists exorcists and um general people in in new york Mm -hmm. uh who decide to tackle the 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 ghost problems which are mostly caused by a uh, the horror movie video club from at a university um researching into books that they shouldn't be yes books that should not be researched into exactly the ones in the restricted section yeah what i (laughs) what i really love about your writing in this and in strange science is the tone uh and and the the way you write it because you have totally nailed that sort of irreverent, sort of casual kind of conversational tone with all its asides and all its little references and stuff. It's it's such an easy and fun read. It's it's one of the things that got me um, writing RPGs way back in the the end of the eighties mm. was a the, the licensed RPG that. Should, that was based on a film that we won't mention. Um, that, um, <laughs> well, we can say that uh, Ghostbusters RPG did exist. I understand you, yes. you liked it, yeah. I, oh God, yes. I mean, I, I I did a lot of RPGing beforehand, but it was that yeah. Ghostbusters was the one that I read and thought, you know what, this is actually fun to read. So mm. somebody yeah. had fun writing this. Yeah. this yeah. What, yeah. Why why can't I do this? So this is this is what I want to do. Get paid for like writing fun stuff mm. basically uh and so um way back in the, the late 80s um armed with a, a an electric typewriter i wrote a couple of scenarios for ghostbusters and sent them over to west end games the the, the, the long sloggy way of actually having to photocopy them down at the local yeah. library and and then posting it and waiting three months for a reply and things like that but but they i must admit i i kind of shot myself in the foot by using um, other licenses in some of them like scooby-doo and uh, moonlighting at the time so they wrote back and said look you can write but you can't use these characters and then everything kind of dried up with the ghostbusters line right, which was right, a shame yeah. because i loved that game still still one of my favorites yeah i've, I've got two um, copies of two copies of the box set for some reason i don't know why uh, one to look at and one to use yeah so it doesn't work don't wear it out and several, <laughs> and several ghost die as well oh yeah although that pesky ghost always rubs off if you use it too much um but but yeah i i love that game so much um so th- that sort of conversational style is always something that i've always tried to try to emulate and um i think the only thing that i've seen since then has been um cj Carella's writing for the buffy rpg mm. that was that was very along those lines as well it's quite nice and conversational mm. lots of pop culture references in there as well yeah and so, yeah and also yeah. kind of breaking the fourth wall occasionally and stuff like that and i mean when, oh, yeah because i i did exactly the same when i wrote the Corval book for Aubrey shifflish i exactly the same inspiration the same style of writing um i mean your your and i tones are slightly different because we're different writers but <laughs> but we both had exactly the same inspiration there and, and we were both trying to sort of emulate a similar kind of style i think I think yeah. I think maybe you're slightly better at it than I am, but oh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Thank you. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I I, I I like write abilities like the, the the vigilante, the dark vigilante role that you can take in the um, in the core rule book. Uh, it sort of says uh, you're really scary creature of the night. Everybody's scared of you. I mean, we're scared of you, and we're the writers of the game. You know, like <laughs> you know, breaking the fourth wall like that in a really mm-hmm. kind of irreverent, casual kind of way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there was a bit trying to describe the technology that the 
the ghost breakers use in spirits of manhattan mm. and there's there's a bit in there where uh, as a writer you're just like well, somebody explained this to us and it's just it was really really complicated so um yeah it works that's yeah. all you need to know yeah sometimes <laughs> it works sometimes <laughs> it's very reliable honest all this equipment this unlicensed <laughs> particle particle throwers <laughs> yeah uh, and they're, they're weird weird things as well because when the they affect the ectoplasm that the ghosts are made up of mm. so it actually solidifies them so that they can be um imprisoned properly mm. uh, rather than making them um incorporeal and then of course there's the the added advantage of the um their vehicle being uh, a disused potemobile yes yeah so it's it's, it's mm. already blessed and so the the, yeah. the little capsule at the back where the pope used to used to wave from um <laughs> is, is where you store store your um, store your ghosts once you pick them up yeah yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this one's um, of, of the four adventures. This one's about twice the size of the other three, partly yeah. because it was it was converted from when well, I say converted didn't really need much conversion, just a few um, mechanics change. But it mm. was it was uh, what's called his new adventure originally, mm. a, a longer one. Oh yes, uh, and then great we, fun. we converted it over to the awfully cheerful engine uh, and kind of trimmed it down quite a lot in order to fit into the, the format, the comic book size format. So this is a bit shorter and a bit breezier than the what's on his new version. But it's about twice the size of the other three adventures. So we've put like bumper size issue on the front cover as well, just to, just to make it clear that this one will take a little bit longer than the other three, which are pretty much yeah, one shots. Definitely. This one might be a two sessions, maybe three. Mm, definitely. That's it's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So the other one is Strange Science. Yeah. Which yeah, has a lot of influences. This isn't just one influence. This has got a few sort of things yeah, in there. Quite, quite a few. There, there's there's a, a large influence of things like uh, Stranger Things and uh, the Goonies, along with Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. And there's also quite a bit of influence from one of those adventures that I wrote for Ghostbusters way back in the 80s, right. which uh, with the, um, the uh, health food... Um, evil gods, mm. yeah. Um, y- uh, yogurt Sothoth and um, <laughs> yogurt and, and all that and all that kind of <laughs> business. Um, so, so yeah, that, that was a big influence from there as well. Yeah, and uh, we got all the uh, I don't know if I should spoil it. Invasion of the uh, of the town by pod people, all called Steve as well. And all, uh, all Steves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a slight nod to um, one, another one of my favourite movies, uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Mm. Adventures Across the Eighth Dimension. Yeah. Uh, I love that film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is fun because it's got like time travel in it, sort of uh, Back to the Future style time travel where you have to go back to the precursor to the town in like 1880-something or other as mm-hmm. well, which is kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and try and stop it all from be- before it even starts, yeah. basically. Yeah. And you're playing like cheerleaders and jocks and just the traditional sort of American high school trope roles that you found in all mm-hmm. those 80s films, like straight out of the Breakfast Club or whatever. You're, oh, play- yeah. you're basically playing those guys. <laughs> yeah, that came, came off on the back of uh, playing an awfully long campaign of Tales from the Loop, mm. um, which is one of, one of my more recent faves. I do yeah. love that as well. And, and, of course, when you're generating characters from that, first thing you think of is the Breakfast Club. Yes, yeah, definitely. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long, long, long time, Breakfast Club. Very long time. That, it still holds up okay. Yeah, yeah. it's good. <laughs> you're a fan of the Breakfast Club? 
Peter? Is that you? Uh, um, I'm aware of it. You know, it's at the top of your VHS collection, your extensive VHS collection. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's where it is. Top of our VHS collection. Yeah. Uh, that sounds good. Yeah. So, yeah. so the other adventures, of course, we've got, which um, Davey didn't write, but um, Montana Drones and the Raiders of the Cutty Sark was written by um, <laughs> Mark Langworthy. And uh, I can't think what the influence on that one was. Does that remind you of anything at all? Nah, possibly. Uh, <laughs> Look, the important thing is you get to punch Nazis in it. Ah, uh, that's best thing. You get to hunt artifacts and punch Nazis. <laughs> what could be better? Uh, best thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one is Beam Me Up, also by Mark Langworthy, which is uh, a parody on a certain um, space trekking series. Where you uh, where you meet um, a, uh, a super soldier out for revenge, an uh, all powerful entity called R, mm. <laughs> and the Culkin Empire <laughs> look nothing like Klingons at all. Well, it's, uh, is it the, the Culkin Empire has everyone knows, of course, for our listeners at home is for those. Uh, it's an entire empire of uh, small blonde trout-like creatures <laughs> that <laughs> delight in laying hilarious death traps. <laughs> yeah, I just want to point out it's not. But uh, is it not? <laughs> well, I, I would not have got that in the guest Kickstarter for it. I got something. <laughs> yeah, the Kickstarter's doing really well. It's gone past twenty one thousand. It's unlocked two stretch cards. Nice. I'm really super happy awesome. with it. And it's yeah. what ten days in so far, so it's still got three weeks to go. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. The print copies that um, you, you sent over to me, they look great as yeah, well. They're, they're yeah. really, really they cool. Come out, really, they've really come out really well. They feel really good in your hands as well, don't they? They're just the right size to feel kind yeah. of... Feel Do like they feel can... like a proper comic book is the question? Yeah. I mean, the covers aren't quite as flimsy as a comic book. But other than that, there we go. Oh, Shiny. Look at that. Nice. Ooh, lovely. That nice. Lovely. Yeah. So yes, great podcast oh. material. That's all going even our own. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the important things is that they're already done. So when the yes. when the Kickstarter ends, the backers will be getting the PDF copies straight away, oh. and the soft cover copies basically as soon as the Kickstarter funds clear, which is two weeks later, the print oh. print runs placed for those, and they go out pretty yeah. straight away as well. Yeah. So, everything's so you're quick. looking what within potentially a month. That depends, of course, on the where they've been printed. Is it still uh, what's it, Lithuania? Uh, these will be dry through RPG because we, oh, uh, yeah, at the moment with Brexit and the pandemic, yeah. um, mm. when we shipped uh, mythological figures to get stuff to America, it took about it took way longer than we like to take mm. for putting a Kickstarter. Put it that way, okay. like so you'll quickly. still be able to get you'll still be able to get your EM publishing uh, Kickstarter really quickly. Mm. It'll just come from um, local printers. Yeah, yeah, sort of thing. yeah. It'll either come from the US yeah. or from the UK, oh, depending. Yeah. yeah. So that's the Awfully Cheerful Engine, which is doing really, really well. Yes. Um, I um, am going to be running a demo of it with some actual professional live streamers who Ooh. I have yet to meet. They, they're being arranged <laughs> by um, my Sarah, our um, uh, media and community manager. So I have yet right. to meet these live streamers. So I, I'll meet them next week. And um, yeah, that that will be going out probably towards the end of the week. And basically, they're all going to be professional people who know what they're doing and are very used to live streaming RPGs. And I am not. So let's see how that goes. <laughs> that, well, you did, you did write the game. So hopefully that gives you some... 
small advantage. Well, I'm familiar with the rules, and I've done so far one game on video, which you can see on the Kickstarter oh. page, which <laughs> went okay, <laughs> I think, didn't it? Yeah. yeah all right. So, what adventure are you running? Uh, are you running it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to be yeah. running Beam Me Up, apparently. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. So, I think we're going to be doing, I think, two separate little mini, because Beam Me Up is divided into three mini missions rather than one big one. Mm-hmm. Um, th- you know, three sort of, three sort of TV episodes, basically, sort of thing. Um, so I think I'm going to be running two of those. I think I'm not sure yet. I uh, I have to. I haven't. I haven't yet started prepping for it. So I guess <laughs> that, that, now the question is, Russ, how are you going to get dressed up? Uh, or is that a thing no. for streamers to do? <laughs> I, uh, you're not going to be wearing your traditional well, Dungeons Masters as in right No, I'm, not, I'm going to be wearing my traditional pointy ears, but they're going to be under these earphones, <laughs> so you won't be able to see them. But uh, I promise you they'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to take my word for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt you for a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Mm, should be good. Yes. I'm slightly slightly nervous about it, but I'm looking forward to it. Also, also in awfully cheerful news, um, I did a interview with Shane Stacks on his podcast last week. Very nice. Or or earlier this week, actually, or was it last week? I can't can't remember. Last Saturday, I think. Uh, Last Saturday, it was. I've I've just spent the entire week on Zoom, and I'm going to spend all of next week, according to this sheet of paper here, with all these appointments on it on Zoom as well. This, 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 this is your brain. This is your brain on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, so yeah, that that will be out imminently. I think I don't know when that's coming out, but hopefully, hopefully very soon. Exciting. Cool. Okay, so let's talk a bit about Doctor Who, shall we? As much as no. you can. I know you're not okay. allowed to say much, Dave. So, but you not are the deal. lead, currently the lead writer on Doctor Who for Cubicle Seven. Yes. And you got that gig quite recently. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been involved with it since it first happened mm. back in 2007 or 8 yeah i was i was back in the old with, with the original pitch to the bbc for that mm. and have oh, and designed okay. des- designed the game um for from its first incarnation with david tennant on the front mm. right and sort of been chipping away at it since but that's mm. always been my um evening job while working mm. in retail during yeah, the day yeah, um yeah. and it's only sort of within the last couple of months that i'm now full-time at cubicle seven mm. which is so, a bit yeah. of a shocker and 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 is awesome um yeah. but but yeah so, it's like good lord i'm, I'm, I'm pr- proper professional writer and things like that now wow. it's all very weird so is it like a salary an actual salary yeah yeah wow. it's great wow there weren't many of those in the rpg industry <laughs> <laughs> wow i Super impressive. Yeah. Nice. So how did that come about? So the position yeah. became available. Did Don reach out to you or did you apply for it? How did that happen? Don being, of course, the, the CEO of um, Cubicle 7. I think uh, a lot of blackmailing um, with, um, <laughs> yeah. with, cho- with cho- sending was it those midnight phone calls? The ones that, you, and... ones that you kept making okay. to me to make that, let me write for the awfully cheerful engine. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. You applied your compliment. It's, it's how one gets into RPGs out of this. It worked, worked for me in the, in the, my GMing days. People used to like slip me, um, milky bars, uh, over the GM oh. screen to try and get that, get that perk when they needed it. So milky, bar, yeah, I, I, I find, milky bars I find, are on me. <laughs> so yeah, so, so send, send, send people chocolate and hope that that kind of sways them into, into <laughs> yeah. hiring me. But yeah. So, so, did, so did you approach him then or was it? Um, I, I, it was basically, um, they were working on a new edition of Doctor Who and needed me yeah. to sort of step in and do some, um, rules writing mm-hmm. for it. Cause, cause I designed the game system back in 
donkey's years ago. Because mm. there's a story that I'm absolutely fascinated by. I don't know if it's true or not. And mm. maybe you will not be able to confirm or deny it. But as, as I recall, it's like to write the first couple of source books, only one person was allowed to look at the scripts uh, without any writing materials. And then what they remembered, they had to go and... Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, uh, that was back when Matt Smith first started mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Moffat at the beginning of series five uh, Dom and myself um, were invited to the BBC in London and yeah. we were allowed to read the scripts for the whole yes. series so that we oh, could nice. prep ready for the, the Matt Smith edition of the, of the game and then of course um, you we, took them home and put them on eBay which <laughs> no, 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 there was a, a guard on the door we, did, we only had time to read um, half the scripts each so we kind of um, split mm. the shifts yeah. between us uh, and um, we were allowed to make notes but we were allowed to um sort of make copies of of it um, right, but, right. but yeah okay. that was it was it was great it was, yeah it was, it was, that was great and, and and brilliant for the bee letting us do that mm, do that yeah. so so is doctor who like a dream project for you then is that one of the one of your shortest of things that you always wanted to write um, i it, it wasn't initially but there was this moment when uh at the end of watching um christopher eccleston's series mm. uh, and it got to the big two-parter at the end with the Daleks and stuff like yeah. that and I, and, and I was watching that and just thinking to myself god this would make a really good RPG <laughs> and and strangely it was just at the same time as Conspiracy X 2.0 had come out mm. and I uh, had this email from um, Chris Birch who's uh, head of Modifius yeah. now and just said oh yeah I really enjoyed Conspiracy X and we started chatting about how to try and get more people involved in rpgs mm. and to try and reach out to an audience that weren't necessarily rpgs but might be attracted to something because of a license mm. uh, and i said oh yeah well you really need something like either harry potter um james bond or doctor who mm. and that's when he said oh i know some people at the bbc and it kind of escalated from there right right so <laughs> so how, how, how did you end up getting the, the full-time gig Ooh. how did that oh, come about I, I, I just luck, I think. Absolute, <laughs> absolute luck. Yeah. Um, I, I started working on the, the new edition of it, um, mm. which is coming soon, which right. I can't really talk about, but is a, is a second edition rather than um, just a, a rebrand of the older one with yeah. a different doctor. Yeah. It's an actual second, second edition of the rules, yeah. uh, which is a bit faster and, and, um, and cool. But yeah, because I was working on that and then the pandemic hit. Right, right. And I think they realised that um, it was okay for people to work remotely, which mm. was fab. Um, and because I was just sitting at home because my day job had been Wasn't, closed yeah, down, yeah. Uh, I had lots of time to do some writing, so I was I was nice and free and could, could help out as much as I could. Huh. And it kind of went from there. How far did they get? Because they were doing the Doctor Source books prior to that. How far have they gotten with... Have they done the, a Jodie Whittaker one? Or was it... Uh, not not yet. They... they Capaldi's the last one, yeah. uh, and then the, they'll we'll, we'll do a. I should imagine we'll do a, a Jodie one once once her ten years up, so to speak. So you don't have any supplemental material. Mm. It always comes out after the Doctor's left, so that right. So uh, you can get it all in one book. So being involved with the license, do you secretly know who the next Doctor is going to be? Not a thing. Not a, <laughs> absolutely not a thing. No, it's all it's all very 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 secretive. So, yes. <laughs> 
Do you reckon? Do you, do you reckon they've been cast? I yet? don't know. Just as a fan, I'm just asking you as a fan now. Just as a, yeah. a Doctor Who fan. I, <laughs> I honestly don't know. I've, I've seen a lot of rumours and speculation and things like that, and I I really don't know where they're going to go next with it. I would love it but, so much if they managed mm. to not have the new Doctor spoiled, and you found out by watching the show. Wouldn't that be amazing if the regeneration took place and the first time you had any inkling of who the next Doctor was, was right then? Yeah. I mean, they they did such a great job of it in the last series when they they said, oh, there's there's something big and spoilery and secret going to happen in this episode. Mm. And then John Barrowman turns up and and you'll go, oh, yeah, that's what it was. (laughs) And then like 10 minutes later, it's like, well, no, this, there's another doctor. <laughs> and, and, and it, yeah, it was great because it was such a surprise. Mm. And, um, and, yeah, it was, I, I remember the good old days when you didn't get spoilers. So what's, what's, it, what's it like working on a big licensed property like Doctor Who then? It's, it's exciting. And is there, a, I, I mean, is, is, is there an awful lot of oversight? How much oversight is there? How much? I I, uh, everything has to be approved, as yeah. you can imagine. Um, just to make sure everything's sort of got the right images and um, and make sure that, that you're using the right wordage and things like that. And you, have, right you haven't like turned the doctor into some kind of horrible Nazi no, or no. anything. <laughs> no, it, it's exactly. It was it was the same working on on Star Trek as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it was uh, it, it, as long as you you're keeping the core values of the series and mm. you're trying to emulate the series as much as possible mm. in the, in the game, then, then yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you work directly with them or does that all go through, do you do the writing and that all goes through someone else? Is there an intermediary uh, with the, it, it, I think it's all, it's all uh, goes straight to the Beeb and they kind of o- oversee it and make sure everything's fine. And, yeah. And then, yeah. It, so, does, yeah, it does sound an awful lot of fun working on Doctor Who. That's just one of oh, those one of those um, shows where and the adventures can pretty much be anything each time. Absolutely, because it's time and space. Uh, you can you can do absolutely anything in it, uh, which is sometimes a little bit daunting. I was uh, admittedly, I've always said that I am terrible at writing adventures, mostly mm. because I can't come up with the concepts. Once I've got the concept sorted, I, I know what I'm doing. And yeah. um, do, doing the couple for, for Awfully Cheerful Engine have been um, my first adventure writing for a little while because I've always been sort of scared off from doing it. Yeah. And, and those two those two adventures have really got me back into it again because I had so much fun doing them. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, when it comes to something like Doctor Who, you think to yourself, so what do you write? You could do anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, like, it's a little daunting. One thing I did want to talk about with Doctor Who, though, this is definitely not spoilery or anything. This is, um, one thing I love about the Doctor Who RPG is the initiative system. And I don't know if that's changing with the new edition or anything, no, but oh, no. the first edition. Do you want to sort of like quickly talk through that? Cause I think that's a fun approach to initiative. It's, it's always the, the, the thing with, uh, licensed games is trying to emulate the the thing that you're that you're making the license of mm. and mm-hmm. doctor who while it has lots of aliens with guns and stuff like that there's the the key to it is actually not getting shot mm. uh, and so there are a couple of things in there especially because we you, when you get shot in doctor who um it's usually a one-shot kill the daleks yeah. hit you you're a little glowing blue skeleton you're, you're dead so that was something that we needed to emulate as well. So to try and stop you from dying every every time you encounter a, a mm. Dalek or something like that, you had to be able to do something before you got shot. Yeah. Mm. And so it was a case of the 
initiative system broke down into uh, the talkers always going yeah. first yeah. so that yeah. they could try and convince the bad guys not to shoot them. Yeah. Uh, hold, hold up your jam, jammy dodger and say, oh, this is a bomb or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and then it was the always the movers go next after mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. all the people can have a chance to run away or if you're, and then you get the, the doers go next mm. so they can sort of tinker with some gadgets or drop a force field or close the blast doors or something like that before that before all the fighting starts and right at the bottom of the initiative chain are the fighters mm. so yes. it kind of puts the emphasis on trying to talk your way out or trying to do something mm-hmm. else rather than actually doing the first thing that most people do in rpgs which is either draw a gun or a sword yeah i mean oh. i I, I actually really recommend it to people on that basis because it's like it's just a really nice way well, to. I've do often seen people say system both. doesn't matter with a game. You can play what? any game, any setting with any system, which technically, technically, you can. Yeah. But you know, you can play Star Trek with D and D, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, some some systems do certain genres better, and I think this is an example of how that rules mechanic specifically emulates yeah. and creates the atmosphere, the, the right atmosphere and the right feel for that genre of, of game, which yeah, a different it, system wouldn't do that. It would, it, you know. No, no. It was, it was something that kind of, I kind of drew from, um, I did a bit of work uh, with Eden on the Buffy RPG mm. and the, the, the Buffy one's another one of those ones, which the, the, the natural mechanic of the game rep, kind of replicates what you see on screen yeah like all, all the vampires have got a certain number of of hit points but you can't stake them until they're low enough in their hit points yeah. so just by playing the game you're you're punching and kicking doing all the buff you have to do all things, that yeah yeah, yeah. to weaken them down so you can stake them yeah. so yeah. You're, you're naturally making it a, a kicky punchy game rather yeah. than just going around and staking yeah. things in their coffins yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, are you able to share anything that's in the works for Doctor Who, or, or nothing at all? Or uh, all I can say is that there's a second edition coming. Yeah. Um, it's oh. very shiny and rather lovely looking. Uh, it's um, it is the same game system as before, only tweaked and refined mm. and slimmed down and sped up. Um, and it is completely compatible with all the books that you've right, already got. So you don't so have to go and buy all those, those nah, source books again. No, none of that. Good. None of that. Chucking the old ones away and starting again. It's everything's compatible. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and there'll be some conversion rules in the back of the book for those who want to use the older books with it as well. Right. That's that's good news. But, yeah. So you don't have a timeline for that or anything, is it? Hopefully within the next couple of months. Oh, well, that's soon. Oh, right. I was thinking you were talking like next year or something. Oh, really soon. Oh. Soon. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. crossed. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I take it like the writing's all done. Then it's all kind of like mm. approval and all that sort of stuff. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're on onto the next few products already. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's just um, polishing those those last little things, doing the lovely things like indexes and contents. Oh, that's and stuff. You know, fun, the, bits, the bits that you always put off to the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, well, as long as there's no reference to page XX. <laughs> so Doctor Who and Ghostbusters aside, are there any other properties that have always been a property that you've really, really wanted to write for? And you've written for Star Trek. Uh, 
see um i'd love to do a new version of bond right but there's there's that thing where the bond rpg is is legendary i love it Mm. you can probably see it behind me actually um it's it's such a good game that there would be that problem of trying to do something new have you got any idea if you ever thought about how you'd approach it what you do with it uh, it'd be tricky i'd kind of like to use something similar to the 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 who system for it mm. but mm. keep a lot of the elements from the original because because chris clues yeah. i think you'd have to move fighting up, up a little bit in the initiative chart oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the initiative might have to move a bit <laughs> well um when did the bond rpg come out 80s uh, that was 80s yeah. yeah 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 i've got a copy of that so, too yeah there may as i recall there have been some fairly significant changes to the bond property mm. in that time so i think like whoever's got it, they really needs to do an update. It depends yeah, on which bond you're trying to emulate, and also it depends on where they're going with the next bond after Daniel Craig. Because I think possibly they mm. might go a bit more light again. Maybe, maybe. I yeah. don't know. Well, I, they, I, I, li- I literally don't know. But well, well, they <laughs> cut they cut out. Um, what's it? Dave Bautista's joke. Uh, or yeah. the joke. Although Dave Bautista had his line, but the joke that uh, Daniel Craig was supposed to make didn't didn't come off. It's like you know. No. Sometimes, man. Oh uh, well, sometimes. Yeah, yeah but Bond would yeah, be a fun one. Yeah, yeah. Either either that or Harry Potter. I would say <laughs> Harry Potter's the other thing that I'd love to do, but yeah. well, that's that's the one that's really really hard to do, isn't it? Because yeah, at least the, there's been a Bond RPG before, so you know it's yeah. possible. But <laughs> but J.K. Rowling really is not keen on someone no. making an RPG. No, who really wants to do anything with that? Like, what about Mildred Hubble, the worst witch? Yeah, worst witch. Yeah. Um, and and I've been. I've had that idea in the back of my head for doing the magicians as well mm. recently as well because the the magicians is a, a fantastic series both book and TV series yeah. um, and which is kind of like Harry Potter for grown ups really but but yeah that's great I think uh, a Bond Bond definitely I would love to see I think definitely I have to do an awfully cheerful Bond one if we get another stretch goal if mm. seems mm. unlikely but if we were to get another stretch goal on the end of these I think it would probably be a Either a Bond themed thing or a superhero, low level superhero themed thing. Yeah, but you've got stuff like uh, Jason Bourne and so forth. So it's like yeah, it's like it'd just be some spies in general, uh, wouldn't it? Be okay. all sorts of spies. John Bang, secret agent. They go JB, the secret agent. What more do you need for us? Uh, nothing. Jane, nothing Jane Bang. There you go. <laughs> yeah, John Bang. John Bang. <laughs> John Bang. What you got, Jason Bourne? And that's not basically the American saying. Uh, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> JB, it's all the same. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think we are about at the time where we should wind up the show. Dave, thanks so much for coming on, spending the time with us, and uh, talking a little bit about your fish here engine and Doctor Who. No worries at all, any time. Well, thanks so much for coming on. See ya. Bye bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. 
Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Oh, now the prefix are the prefixes. Stop Unless, confusing things. Well, because well, Drow are supposed to be dark elves, so now mm. we've got even dark elves, so that's like double prefixes. And has anyone who's played any sort of massively multiplayer online role-playing game will tell you, the more prefixes something has, the tougher the enemy. Like, you fight a boar, whatever. Diabore, serious business. Elder Diabore, you're starting to And if it's giant Elder Diabore, then you might as well just give up, <laughs> go home and, uh, you know... Uh, a, 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 a monstrous giant elder diabol. Oh, I mean, that's like three, three different levels. Monstrous die, huge, poor something. 